We have been talking about the vine and the branches, and we've been talking about fruit and suckers. In a nutshell, here's a quick review. Pastor Joshua has spoken the last couple of times. I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, but for our purposes, let's, let's recap, okay? Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, he is, he's the vine, we are the branches. We get our sustenance from God. If we abide in the vine, we will bear fruit. Uh, what kind of fruit? Well, fruit that, that comes from Him, right? Fruit that resembles the Spirit of God. If we learn to rest in our Father, we're going to bear the same kinds of fruit that Jesus did, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So this past week, uh, we've been fasting in various ways, some with food, some with tiny kinds of food, some with media, all different things. Um, we've been fasting from those things that, that feed us instead of the vine sometimes. And uh, that's wrapping up uh, uh, tonight. We're ending that tonight. Now, our commission in this entire effort is to rest in Him so that we can grow fruit, to abound in the, the fruits of the Spirit, especially love, so that when people meet us, it's as if they meet Jesus. Isn't that cool? It's as if they meet Jesus. We, they get that same vibe that Jesus had. Uh, but of course, sometimes we believers even have trouble abiding in the vine. We have trouble sometimes producing the fruit of the Spirit when we forget to abide in Him. And people look at us, and, and at those times, they don't see the fruit of the Spirit, unfortunately. Uh, they might look and say, well, you don't look particularly transformed to me, and that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? Or they might say, I don't want to be transformed if that's what that, that looks like. Or, or they just might look and see a hurting person. So we're, as we're going back and, and digging into this metaphor, I wanna, uh, uh, we're going to go a, a little bit further. So Pastor Joshua brought this up. This is where suckers come in, right? Suckers, if you missed it, are kind of like false fruit. They, they branch off from the branch, and, and they might grow leaves or flowers, but they, they don't grow fruit. They, what they do is hog the nutrients, which is a real bummer. Uh, so we've been talking about pruning these suckers, that feed on the vine. Are you with me? Okay. Now, today I want to take this metaphor one step further by reading something to you. Uh, Janelle brought this into our pastoral meeting last week, and uh, it, was, it was actually so perfect. It, you couldn't tell if it was reading from a landscaping website, which it was, or something directly from our metaphor that we're talking about. So this, this came directly from loveyourlandscape.org that fine landscaping website that I'm sure you read every week. Suckers are a tree's attempt to grow more branches. Get this. Often in response to some kind of injury. If the roots have been damaged, suckers may grow at the base of the trunk. If suckers grow higher on the trunk, they're called water spouts and they're usually at the site of a pruning wound or some crack or some other damage. Isn't that interesting? Now get this, some trees are, uh, species are naturally more prone to suckering than others, but when a large tree has an abundance of suckers, it's a good idea to have it assessed by a tree care professional to make sure there's nothing seriously wrong. Sometimes metaphors write themselves. <laughs> Isn't that something? In the past two decades, there's been an extraordinary amount of research 
uh, and writing done in the field of trauma and how it affects not only the brain, but the whole body. Here's how the, the, the Center for Healthcare Strategies explains the idea of trauma, okay? Here's a quote. Trauma results from exposure to an incident or a series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening with lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, and or spiritual well-being. In other words, an injury that drastically affects the branch. A lot of times, most of the time, when this happens, we don't even consciously understand what's happened. Our mind can't comprehend that thing. But our bodies remember and our lives change as a result. Sorry, Bo. There we go. Is that better? Okay. Change as, as a result. <laughs> I lost my place. Sometimes we end up producing things uh, that we never intended to produce. Suckers. Sometimes it's just a way that we see the world. That produces a little dysfunction. Sometimes it produces unwanted behaviors, addictions, bondages. All of these can inhibit how much fruit we actually grow. Now, these, these injuries can happen in, in big ways, right? Uh, actual clinical trauma, a lot of times that happens, of course, from things like abuse, uh, things like uh, uh, you know, addiction, or, or things that cause addiction, uh, uh, abuse, uh, uh, just big time life events, uh, um, mental health collapses, neglect, all those things. And in some ways, uh, so, sometimes they happen in, in little ways that seem so little, they could almost be embarrassing. Like, this, how could this possibly have this big of an effect? It wasn't a big deal. Um, like, you just, you know, your heart was pricked in some way, and, and then suddenly you, you realize that you can't grow fruit years down the road. Let me give you an example of that, of a little thing, okay? Or something that seemed like a little thing. It's a personal example. Years ago, I was having a, a ministry time with the, the Sozo team, which means I was back in the quiet room in the office with Autumn Seaborn and Kathy Stott, and they were praying with me, praying through some things to help me, uh, uh, you know, figure out what was going on in my heart because I was having some, some things I just needed help navigating. So they were praying with me, and we're having a ministry time. And I don't remember exactly how this came out, but I remember I was struggling with the idea that God actually liked me. Um, I, I, that he wasn't like exasperated with me because I was exasperated with myself, so I was sure that he was too. And I remember making the statement to them saying, look, the truest definition of a person is their actions. And I guess I felt my actions weren't lining up, so that's how God saw me, right? And they pushed back on me a little bit. They said, really, that seems a little harsh. And I said, well, it seems harsh, but it's true. And I sat there for a second, and I waited just a beat, and I suddenly went, oh my goodness, that's not true. That's not true. The truest definition is not, that's not true. And suddenly, it was like, it was so obvious to me, right? Like, the truth is, we're loved with an everlasting love, aren't we? The truth is, while we were yet sinners, Jesus loved us, and he came and died. The truth is, we were created in his image. We were sons and daughters of the living God even before we rebelled. Genesis 1 came before Genesis 3. Therefore, the truest thing about me is not that I'm a knucklehead, though I might be. Amen. The truest thing, you quiet you, 
the truest thing about you, about me, is that I am his son and I am beloved. And I started tracing, like, wait a minute, why did I, why did I think that? Why did I have this sort of quote, this line in my head, this thing, this sort of standard? And I started trying to trace it back, and you know what? Suddenly it occurred to me, I heard it on the radio. It was like 10 years earlier, I heard it on Dr. Laura. <laughs> Now, I have no idea if Dr. Laura is great or awful. I just remember 10 years earlier, I had been listening to the show, and she said this thing, and I was like, yeah, that seems about right. And I had just latched on to it. But here's the thing, because at the time, at the time, I was dealing with a lot of this sort of internal stuff, and people thought that I was this, this fine young leader, and internally I'm crumbling. So when she said that, I just crawled right up in that shame. You know, I put it on like a scratchy wool sweater. And that's a problem because I'm kind of allergic to wool sweaters, so, and it didn't serve me. So in that moment, I had that realization, oh my goodness, I just latched on to this idea and it totally altered the way that I was acting and the way that I was seeing my relationship with God and I was seeing God himself. So now in that moment, this was great. Here's the way I was able to deal with that. It was like, well, that thing is a lie. And what's the truth? And just to speak that out, okay, what's the truth? The truth is, I am his beloved. And that's, that is the truest thing about me. You see that? Now, has, have I had to deal with that again? Yes, I have. I'll be honest. I have. But I can just go right back to that thing. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that's a lie. That is a thing I heard, and I, I, that's a sweater I wore for a while. And that, that sweater is itchy, and I hate it now, and it's not even a good sweater. It doesn't even keep me, you see what I'm saying? I, I could go back to that place. Not super hard to deal with. Now, let me ask you, is that, is that clinical trauma no, 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 no. It's a thing that I heard that ended up radically affecting the way that I see the world. So I'm not getting dramatic about that. It, it was, so sometimes suckers that grow in our lives really can be cut that easily. And usually it's, it's you know, dealing with, usually it's, it's, it's when you're sitting with, with a good friend. It, it's hard to do this on your own to be able to see these things, but man, if you can get the ball rolling, someone to talk with and pray with, someone you trust, you know, a friend, a mentor, a member of, the, of a prayer team, it doesn't matter. It's just someone who loves you and loves the Lord uh, and can take time to, to walk through things like that. Now, sometimes it's a little bit more, it's like, okay, I've got some, some hurts that need a little bit more concentrated time. So maybe it's, you know, like a restoration class. This is part of our DNA for years and years of, of pursuing inner healing. We've had restoration that's been around since the, the late 80s, right? Maybe it's time to do that. Or maybe like emotionally healthy spirituality that deals with some of those things as well in, in addition to other things. Sometimes, friends, I want to let you know, sometimes suckers just don't, don't want to fall off. And sometimes you have to take a deeper, longer look. Now, remember what the landscaping article said. It's a good idea to have the branch assessed by a tree care professional. Sometimes we need soul care professionals. Maybe, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a, a, you know, spending some time with an extended pastoral t care time. Maybe that's a, a, finding a spiritual director to walk through things with you. Or maybe it, it might mean visiting a counselor. Okay? It might mean visiting a counselor. I want to tell you, there is no shame in that in this house. There is no shame. God created doctors, and God created counselors. Does this mean they're all going to be great? Of course not. Does this mean they're all going to say the right things? Of course not. 
but God created people to help you walk through those things. And, and I am all for it, and our team is all for it. In fact, guys, our pastoral team, almost everyone on our pastoral team, at some point in their life, has had a season of visiting a counselor on a regular basis. And some of us are doing that right now in this season of life. There is no shame, friends. You need to be okay to do that deep work. Do that deep work. This is how God helps us get healed. This is how that comes off sometimes. The point is, we all have places where something has gone wrong in life and it's affected the way that we roll and the kind of fruit we're growing. And it's worth exploring those realities in order to properly prune those things in a way that helps us and other people to thrive. Now, some of you might hear all this and be a little skeptical, and I want to tell you, I get it. I promise you, I get it. Like, there's a lot of ways to overdo this. I was talking to Bo, to Bo Kelson about this last week. There's a lot of ways that, that, that people can, can overdo this. Yeah, when you start examining your own trauma a whole lot, uh, our own woundedness, our own coping mechanisms, it's easy to get lost in the science of self, isn't it? It's easy to get stuck there. Like, like, you know, before long, our brokenness becomes so intertwined with our personality and our likes and our wants and our gifts and our dreams and our idiosyncrasies, and it's just this, this, this box of self. Even our neuroses fit in there, you know? Well, I am a phlegmatic eight-wing nine touch-oriented golden retriever with the top three strengths of futurism, connectedness, and woo. And I cope with my trauma through depression, chronic anxiety, and a constant obsession for how people see me. Also, I'm a follower of Jesus, he, him. Are you with me? Everything ends up going in the box. Are you with me? Everything gets thrown in there, including our wounds, including, you know, our good things, our bad things, all of these things. Our personality becomes a Twitter bio. What's the danger in all this? Well, there's a lot of dangers in all this, actually. But the, uh, to me, the biggest one is uh, I mean, self-worship, maybe? <laughs> but even beyond that, we can end up getting stuck, and we can end up loving it. Loving the fact that we're stuck. Like, we get sentimental about where we are. You, you might have seen this happen in real life. You might have seen it happen on social media. Maybe it's happened with you. You know, for example, you have a person who lashes out at a coworker and doesn't want to make it right, you know, because it's, uh, well, tough luck. I'm just the kind of person, I'm the kind of person that says things like it, like it is. I'm just, I, I say it like it is. Always have. I don't apologize. It's just who I am. It's who I've always been. Take it or leave it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> or something like, hey, it's just who I am. I'm moody because I'm an Enneagram 4 and I sit around in sackcloth and ashes to, to go with my gray demeanor. See, you see how we can misinterpret a description for a cause? Friends, I want to tell you this. I want you to hear me. You are not a sucker. You are a branch. Do you understand me? You are not a sucker. You're a branch. You're not a disorder or a dysfunction 
You're not a number, you're not a color, you're not a pronoun, you're not a diagnosis, you're not a love language. The truest thing about you is that you are a son or a daughter of Jesus. That's the truest thing about you is you're made in his image and you're beloved. Do you understand me? That is the truest thing about you. All those other things might be true, at least for a time, but they're not primary. They might not even be secondary. They might be third dairy. <laughs> they might not even be true. Oh, that'd be a bummer to find that out. But see here, the point of looking inward at our own pain is not to become the pain, but to find healing for it. Are you with me? To find ways to move forward and to bear fruit that will last. That's why we do it. So there are definitely dangers in going forward. I totally understand the skepticism, and oftentimes I share it. But I want to suggest to you there are equal dangers in refusing to go inward. Because when you refuse to deal with your stuff, with your hurts, with your regrets, with your sins, with your brokenness, whatever it is, when you refuse to go there, you are tacitly agreeing to let the suckers in your life stay where they are. The whole point of examining ourselves in the first place in this way is to let Jesus prune us, right? That's the point. So if he comes and says, hey, what about that leafy thing popping out of your elbow? And you respond, no, that's nothing. I'm fine. I'm not hurt. I'm not anxious. I'm not sad. Everything's fine. I'm just not into all that soft stuff. Leave me alone. No, that's, that's not called being tough. That's called being in denial. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. It's no different than when someone is clearly sick but refuses to admit it, you know, <laughs> on spiritual grounds. You're like, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm healthy. In Jesus' name, I'm healthy. But their eyes are red and their nose is dripping like Salt Creek Falls and their temperature is 137 degrees. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, bro, uh, you just maybe, I mean, uh, you might just want to admit what's going on so you can go to someone who can actually help you heal. I saw a high-profile pastor recently who was pushing back on some of the talk on mental health, and he said, Jesus never experienced anxiety. To which a whole bunch of people responded. They're like, uh, ever sweat drops of blood there, bro? <laughs> the truth is, Jesus did experience the depths of human despair. And yet he didn't deny all of that. He didn't deny his anxiety. You know what he did? He brought it to his father. Why wouldn't you and I want to do the same? Don't let the fear of an excess on the other side prevent you from doing the thing that you really clearly need to do, friends. I'm not suggesting, I'm not saying you have deep hurts, go see a counselor. What I'm suggesting is if you do have things that are messed up inside you, Rather than just moving on and addressing it, rather than just moving on, you need to address it. Because if, if you're not, there's a good chance, I want to tell you, it's not even just for your sake, okay? Let's pull back. It's not even just so you can feel better about yourself. If you are not dealing with your internal stuff, you're not bearing the kind of fruit that you could be or that you've been called to. The whole point of bearing good fruit is so the hungry souls around us can taste the love of Jesus. And what if you're not bearing that? What if you're not bearing the love of Jesus because you got all these suckers all over the place that you're too tough to deal with? You know what I'm saying? Now, here's the amazing thing, okay? 
Here's the amazing thing. Very often, those same places that we don't want to acknowledge are a problem, those same places of woundedness, very often, those same places that are the biggest hang-ups, when Jesus prunes them, become the greatest and most powerful strengths in your life. C.S. Lewis wrote a, a strange and wonderful little book called The Great Divorce. Anybody read The Great Divorce? Oh, wow. Guys, you all have homework, every one of you. Um, it, it's, it's, about, it's about a busload of people who leave hell in order to visit heaven and decide whether they want to live there. It's kind of a fantasy novel. Now, Lewis knows it doesn't actually work this way, okay? It's like, it's like a fantasy novel, okay? The reason he's telling it in this way is sort of to demonstrate why people reject Christ and why they embrace him and the kingdom of heaven. And it happens through these fascinating conversations. And to me, the most, me this is for me a top five book of all time. That's how, that's how much I love this book. Uh, the, the, to me, one of the most memorable people that we meet is a, a, a ghost, or he's, he's a man, but they call him ghost for various reasons, um, that he's traveled uh, on the bus, and he's now in heaven, he's walking around, and he's terribly embarrassed to be there because he has a big red lizard on his shoulder who is whispering to him. And he's very embarrassed because this lizard is whispering, and he makes him angry, but then he's making him laugh, you know, and, and so then he's looking around, and it's very clear to the reader from the beginning, this lizard represents some form of lust, Okay? So this guy has this thing whispering in his ear. Now, it's story time with Pastor Jason. I'm going to read several pages here of this book, okay? You guys are settle in, get your hot cocoa, okay? I'm just going to jump right in. All right. I'm off, said the ghost. That's the man, right? Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's, it's no good. You see, I, I told this little chap, here he motions to the lizard, that he'd have to be quiet if he came, which... He insisted on doing, and of course his stuff won't do here. I, I realize that, but he won't stop, so I'm just going to have to go home. Would you like me to make him quiet, said the flaming spirit, an angel, as I now understood. Oh, of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step forward. Ah, look out, you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Do you want him killed? Well, you didn't say anything about killing him at first. I, I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It is the only way, said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Ah, well, that's, that's a further question. I'm, I'm quite open to considering it, but it's a new point, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only think about, thinking about silencing him because up here, well, it's kind of embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there's time to discuss that later. There is no time. May I kill it? Ah, oh, please, I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, oh, oh, look, 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 look. It's gone to sleep now of its own accord. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be quiet now. It'll be all right. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all. Don't you think so? Well, I, I'll think it over. I'll think over what you said. Honestly, I will. In fact, I, if, I, I'd let you kill it now. But as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm feeling frightfully sick today. 
It would be most silly to do that now. I need to be in better health for this operation. <laughs> Some other day, perhaps? There is no other day. All days are present now. Get back, you're burning me. How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It is not so. Why, you're hurting me now. I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. <laughs> oh, I know, you think I'm a coward. Well, it isn't that, really it isn't, I say. Just let, let, let me run back tonight in the bus and get an opinion from my own doctor and then I'll come back the first moment I can. This moment contains all moments. Why are you torturing me? You're jeering at me. How can I let you tear me in pieces? If you wanted to help me, why didn't you just kill the thing without asking me? Before I knew, it would be over by now if you had. I cannot kill it against your will. It is impossible. Have I your permission? The angel's hands were almost closed on the lizard, but not quite. Then the lizard began chattering to the ghost so loud that even I could hear. Be careful, the lizard said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you, and he will. Then you'll be without me forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? Listen, I'll be good. I'll be so good. I admit I've sometimes gone too far in the past, but I promise I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams, all sweet and fresh and almost innocent. Huh? You might say quite innocent. Have I your permission, said the angel to the ghost. I know it will kill me. It won't, but supposing it did, you're right, you're right. It would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. Then may I. <sighs> Damn it, blast you, go on, can't you get over it? Do what you like, bellowed the ghost, but ended whimpering, God help me, God help me. And the next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony such as I never heard on earth. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile, twisted it while it bit and writhed, and then flung it, broken back, on the turf. Oh, that's done for me, gasped the ghost, reeling backward. For a moment, I could make out nothing distinctly, but then I saw, between me and the nearest bush, unmistakably solid, but growing every moment solider, the upper arm and shoulder of a man, then brighter, still and stronger, the legs and hands. The neck and golden head materialized while I watched, and if my attention had not wavered, I should have seen the actual completing of a man, an immense man, not much smaller than the angel. What distracted me was the fact that at the same moment, something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first, I thought the operation had failed. So far from dying, the creature was still struggling and even growing bigger as it struggled. And as it grew, it changed. Its hinder parts grew rounder. Its tail, still flickering, became a tail of a hair. And, and suddenly, I started back, rubbing my eyes. What stood before me was the greatest stallion I had ever seen. Silvery white, but with mane and tail of gold. It was smooth and shining, rippled with swells of flesh and muscle, whinnying and stamping with its hooves. And each stamp, the land shook and the trees dindled. Lust is a poor, weak, whispering thing compared with that richness 
and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed, the teacher explains. Did you get that? I'm going to read it again. Lust is a poor, weak, whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed. Friends, God wants to take the suckers that have grown on us and prune them so he can turn out our devastating weaknesses and, and turn them into glorious strengths, not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of the world around us that must see his transforming power in our lives and benefit from it in theirs. If we have a theme chapter as a church, it's Isaiah 61. It was the message, it was the mission of Jesus, which he quoted in, in Luke 4 in the synagogue in Nazareth. I want to read the first three verses again as we have many times. We can put that up. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now watch just how many times this theme comes in. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open, uh, to, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes to go, <laughs> the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. If this was the mission of Jesus for the world, friends, do you think that he would intend that we would not also receive healing for our broken hearts? Do you think that he would exempt us from the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Do you think he would withhold his garments of praise for heaviness? Do you think, do you think that he would actually want us to draw near and experience that himself? And I want to suggest to you that he would. And this is one of the reasons he came. Maybe this isn't a struggle for you at all. Maybe you're already on this journey of like, hey, I know God is dealing with stuff in my life and I, I am walking through that process. Yes and amen to you. But I want to speak especially to those who are nervous about that. He is gentle and he is good. He is gentle and he is good. And he beckons you in calls you close. Will it hurt? It might, but it won't kill you. It won't kill you. And in the end, I think we're all going to be shocked and astounded at the incredible transformation of the power of Jesus Christ as we look back and we see how all the devastating things in our life have been changed. This is the fruit of the gospel. This is the fruit of the Spirit that the world desperately needs. A God who really and truly can heal broken hearts. Let's stand together. Have the prayer team, elders, uh, home group leaders come forward. If you guys need prayer, especially in this area, it doesn't have to be, but especially you just need to take that first step to come and, 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 and just explain what's happening in your own heart. I want to call you forward. I just pray the blessing of the Lord. I pray the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I pray 
that, that, that the God who heals would draw close. And I pray that he who began that work, that deep work of healing, that deep work of pruning, that he will be faithful to complete that in your lives. So Holy Spirit, we ask you would be the comforter and you would draw us out. I pray that you would draw us out of our hiding places that we might come to you, entering the waters of, of, of baptism and be cleansed to him. I bless you all in the name of Jesus Christ and we call you forward now. Jesus.